I praise the Lord. We thank the Lord for his goodness and his mercy, for his righteousness. We thank him for this uh, Resurrection Sunday. We thank the Lord for letting us see another one. This is a true blessing and a gift from God. We are moving forward in the word of God. We have had a wonderful study up to this point. God has truly uh, been moving. God has truly um, been giving us uh, uh, not just good food, but the food we need to for on our day-to-day -day journey. And, uh, and I don't know about you, but um, these are things that I'm able to use, and we pray that you're also able to use them as well. Um, our scripture set this morning is back in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 32 through 37. The word of God reads as follows. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. And David said unto Saul, thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear, and took a lamb out of the flock, and I went out after him, and smote him, and delivered him it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard, and smote him, and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, go and the Lord be with thee. May the Lord have a blessing to the readers and the hearers and doers of his word. We pray that God will prosper you always as you find yourself obedient to the word of God. We uh, have been talking uh, extensively about um, this scripture set. We've covered many different things. And actually, let me back up, not so much this scripture set, but we've talked a lot about uh, the background and everything leading up to the scripture set. We have begun in the last uh, couple uh, lessons to get more into the scripture set and we take more of a deeper dive. It was necessary for us to really kind of build up and get everything. When we search the word of God, it's not our intent to just run through. No, it's not our intent to just hurry up and get done with it. We're not any uh, in a race and we're not um, um, trying to, um, um, to, to win some sort of prize or anything like that. No, we're not doing any of those sorts of things. But rather what we're trying to do is, is we're trying to get everything that God has for us so that we might make better decisions. Amen. Now, uh, last week when we ended, we talked a little bit about the voice of the enemy. Amen. We talked a little bit about that. And uh, we finished talking uh, uh, about how no, no sooner than David finishes um, the task that was assigned to him by his father, Jesse. Remember, Jesse instructed him to, um, <clears throat> after he came home, 
to take care of the flock. He instructed him to take some provisions to his brothers and to the captain uh, of the army. Amen. And then he was also instructed to bring back a uh, proof of life as it were. Amen. First um, Samuel 17, 20 says, and David rose up early in the morning and left uh, the sheep with a keeper and took and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the trench as the host was going forth to fight and shouted uh, for the battle. Amen. So David takes the provisions. Amen. He, go he goes and he does what he is assigned to do. Amen. He, 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 he takes care of that. And, and what we discovered was that no sooner than David goes uh, out to do this, okay, as he's going, the first thing that he does is, is that he leaves the flock in the hands of someone that is able to look after them. And we did a kind of a deep dive on that. And we talked extensively about that and the, uh, the importance of that. Amen. Praise God. Okay. We talked about that. We also said that David delivered the provisions that he was instructed. Amen. And we talked about um, how delivering the provisions, giving them what they need. We took and we looked at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 15 through 19, that says, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, but shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. And their word will eat as doth a canker, of whom is Humanus and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already and overthrew the faith of some. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Amen. So David goes and he delivers. The first thing he does is that he sit, puts the flock who, who remain his responsibility. Amen. They are his responsibility. So in order to do this, he still has to make sure that the flock is taken care of. He has to make sure that his primary responsibility was still taken care of. David went home, amen, first to take care of the sheep. And it was there that he received this new set of instruction. Well, when he got this new set of instruction, amen, that didn't mean that he could just totally drop the responsibility that he had before. In other words, David wasn't able to just drop the sheep that he was uh, looking after or shepherding in order to go and take care of this. No, it was still his responsibility, family, to make sure that the sheep that were his primary responsibility, the ones that he was already originally looking after, it was his responsibility to make sure that they were taken care of while he what taken care of so that he could embark and go forward and take on this other task and that's the way that it is when we start to make moves and we're going forward um in uh, in this spiritual in this spiritual walk amen we 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 need to be careful about our reasoning uh, behind moving around because god is not into church hopping we talked about all of that Amen. God is not into that. God does not want you and I to go around moving from church to church to church. We need to be careful and wary of that. 
Amen. Because many times, and we talked about it before, people do this and we do it for the wrong reason. What do I mean? I mean, God's not leading you. Many times we're upset. Many times we're frustrated. And it's all these other things, all the reasons other than the ones that God would authorize. We find those are oftentimes the reason why we begin to move from church to church. Offense comes in. We don't deal with the offense according to the word of God. We allow the, the offense to fester. Then all of a sudden it gets to a point where it becomes an alt against. We don't want to deal with the person. And before you know it, we're gone. Now, usually that offense and that frustration is with maybe one person. Amen. But we are never just alone. We are part of a family. So if we have, as a family uh, go to a church or are attending a, a, a place of worship where the word of God is going forth mightily and is going forth without error, so to speak, for the most part, um, and then all of a sudden something happens in that church and, uh, and, and offense comes in, well, <clears throat> what happens is, is that usually one person gets offended. Maybe mom gets offended. Maybe dad gets offended or something like that. Something didn't go right. But before you know it, everybody is now leaving. Everybody is gone. And we have to be careful of that because many times when that happens, it's at the expense of the good or the benefit that is taking place in the lives of everyone else. So that means that me as dad might've got offended, but my wife, but my, my children, if they, they, that's not their offense. And they are being taught the right thing. The right move in that situation is for me to learn what? To overcome evil with good. So if someone has done something wrong in the church body or whatnot, I need to, I, I, I need to take a step back and I got to operate in the spirit of love and forgiveness. I need to be able to do what the word tells me Amen. And I need to take my offense or my grievance and I need to take it to that person. And then we need to hash it out. We need to work it out in the spirit of the Lord. Amen. And I need to be ready to be reconciled to that brother instead of looking for or sister, instead of looking for excuses for division to 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 widen the gap between us. You know, we don't want to do we don't want to do any of that. So David. David had to make sure that the flock was taken care of. And for us, we got to make sure before you start making moves and all these different things, we got to make sure we have to always weigh the spiritual well-being. Amen. You don't leave a church until God tell you to leave. Amen. Amen. You got to make sure of that. Why? Because if you leave under those circumstances, and God moves people around. There are things, there are times where it happens. Sometimes it's a job. You Maybe you move someplace and now you're in a whole nother city, a whole nother state. It could be all kinds of different things. But when the move is required, okay? So you're not, it's not for the wrong reason. You need to make sure that you lean on the spirit of the Lord and you allow God to lead you to another local place of worship or fellowship where you can be fed the word of God. And you're not getting it watered down. You're not getting anything lesser, but you're getting what you that you're getting the word comparable to the way you got it. In other words, without error, uh, um, um, with, 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 without um, hidden agendas and all that kind of stuff, but literally the word of God being taught for the word of God. 
only God getting the glory, man not glorifying himself, the word of God being taught, holiness is being taught, righteousness is being taught. You're not being made to feel that it's okay to sneak and tip and dip and do things that are not right as long as nobody's looking. No, that, that, no, 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 no. The church that God leads you to should not be a church. And I'm gonna put it to you like this. This is how you know if God is not leading you. God is not gonna lead you to the, it's not gonna just lead you to the place where you, your spiritual growth can regress. No, that's not God's will. You're not supposed to regress. When God sends you to a place, it's to a place where you can grow. So you should be making progress. God will send you to a place where you can grow and you can bring forth more fruit for his kingdom. Amen. God will not send you to a place where you can regress. So if you are going to a church or going to a place and that place makes it easy for you to indulge in those sins and those things that you know God has delivered you from, so on and so forth, they start telling you it's okay to this and it's okay to that and this, that, and the other, that's you in the wrong place. Okay, so make sure you don't go there. Remember, David left the sheep, but he still had to make sure the sheep were taken care of. So you as leaders of your household, you are responsible for making sure that the next place, provided that it is where God is leading you and only because God is leading you, remember, not out of offense, you're responsible for making sure that that place is where the spirit of the Lord is. And to do that, you just simply need to rely on the spirit of the Lord. Line up what they're saying against the word of God. Don't just go join no church. Check out their Bible study. I, 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 I am a big, big um, uh, um, recommender of that. Don't just go to it. If you go into a church you're, and you're looking at different churches or whatnot, and, 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 and because maybe you've moved and you're someplace else and you don't know what church to select, start by going to their Bible studies. Find out when they have Bible study. Find out when they have Bible study and attend that. Because in Bible study, more often than not, you're going to find out what the doctrine of that church is. And you're going to find out whether they are according to the word or they are not. And don't just go to one or two. Take some time. Go to that. Make sure the doctrine is all right. Because many times Sunday morning services don't line up with, 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 with Bible study. Sunday morning can be just a show and you don't want that. See, when that Bible study, when that word is going forth and it is true, and it is by the book, it is by the word of God, and God is in it, when, when, when a church has that, they, they, you, then, then, then you, you don't have to worry so much about the worship. It's because it's going to be built on that. The Sunday morning service and all that kind of stuff will be an extension of that. But what you get in Sunday morning service, many times will always be a reflection of what you're getting in Bible study. If ain't no word being taught in that church in Bible study, you're not going to get that much word on a Sunday morning or whatever day of the week that they choose. So make sure that you don't fall into that. Make sure everybody is okay. Amen. That's that you want to make sure. Now, we said that, um, that part of the way that we make sure 
is by rightly dividing the word of truth. That's why I gave you 2 Timothy 2, 15 and 19, study to show thyself approved, amen. That, that, that's how we, when, we, when we make sure one another is okay. Remember, he took provisions. David took provisions. The way we take provisions is by taking the word. That's how we do it in the spiritual sense, family. We do the same thing, but we do it by taking the word. And in order to take the word, we have to correctly handle the word. That way the word is, is divided into the right portions. Different people, different members of the family need different portions. They need different things. People have different issues. So the word's gotta be rightly divided. And you can't do that if you're not studying yourself, studying that word of God. Amen. You got You have to have all of that. And you got to avoid all the foolishness. That's what the word of God was teaching us. And that's what he told us. Of, of, avoid vain babbling and all of that different kind of stuff. And uh, why? Because they'll increase the ungodliness. Don't, don't get all off into the weeds and into the sticks on conversations that are not edifying, that don't build up anybody. They just tear. Don't, don't, don't indulge people that, that operate in circular reasoning that just want to take you around and around and around and around. They don't want the word. The word of God, the spirit of the Lord will show you. If you're leaning on, on God, he will, he will show you who want it and who doesn't. And it's important that you don't spin your wheels on people that don't want the word of God. Your responsibility is to share the word of God. But once you've done that, when it comes to a person that does not want the word, once you have simply shared the word, that person now has the truth. You're done with that. You've gone about as far as you can go unless the spirit of the Lord leads you to do something uh, different. And remember, he ain't going to lead you to do nothing contrary to the word of God. You're not going to have to go and commit sin in order to reach somebody. You don't have to go hang out in the places that are ungodly just to reach that. You don't have to do that. No, you don't have to do that. God, following God, don't put you, listen. No, it don't, it don't do that. The word of God is not getting ready, is not going, <laughs> the word of God, following the word of God does not jeopardize your walk with God. Mm -mm. No, no. When God tell you to do something, he don't tell you to do stuff that jeopardize your walk with him. He don't, he don't do that, Okay. So don't elect to, to, go, uh, to, to go to the bar and go into the bar in order to reach the person that's drunk. Uh-uh, you ain't got to do that. Wait for them to come out. You don't have to go and do all that other kind of stuff. You don't, you, it does not matter. You don't have to go, to the, go, into, go into the drug house and go kick it knowing that you came out of an addiction and were delivered from all of that. You don't have to go around and, and, and go sit in amongst a bunch of people while they're smoking, knowing God has delivered you from that. Uh-uh. You can wait till they finish their cigarette or whatever else it is, and then you can minister. God's way don't require you to, get to, to, to do the wrong thing is what we're saying here. Amen. But you got to rightly divide that word of truth. So that you can give a man, woman, boy, or girl exactly the portion that they need. Amen. Amen. Now, David, we said, was immediately 
greeted with the intimidating voice of the enemy. We looked at 1 Samuel 17, 22 and through and 23. And David left the carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran into the army and came and saluted his brethren. And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name out of the armies of the Philistine and spake according to the same words and David heard them. So in other words, David, when David got there, he heard the rhetoric of Goliath. He heard Goliath talking crazy. He heard Goliath uh, threatening. He heard Goliath doing all of these different things. When he said, uh, when the word says he spake according to the same words, what there's referring to is, is that if you go back to previous verse, you'll find that Goliath, you'll find the actual message that Goliath stated, what Goliath was actually shouting out, what Goliath was actually using or saying in order to intimidate the armies of the Lord or the children of Israel. And what the scripture here is telling us is, is that by the time David got there, the, the Goliath was still at it. So he was talking ridiculous before he got there. And Goliath was talking ridiculous once David got there. Amen. And we talked a little bit. We, we and, and, and we talked a little bit about that on last week. The enemy gonna keep going. The devil gonna keep keep exploiting every every opening, every hole in the wall, everything, every crevice, every window, every door that you leave unlocked and open, you need to understand the enemy going to exploit that all day long. And he is going to continue to do it until you put a stop to it. Amen. Many times, family, the devil continues far longer in our lives because we allow it. We tolerate it. And as long as you and I are willing to tolerate the voice of the enemy, as long as you're willing to put up with the rhetoric of the enemy, he gonna make sure you have a ready supply of it. He's not gonna stop. He's not gonna stop. Some things end, family, when you're ready for it to end. All you got to do is follow the word of God, the recipe, and you can put a stop to it. But as long as you and I refuse to use the spiritual authority that God has given us, then we are going to unnecessarily tolerate and put up with the voice of the enemy, with the will and intent of the enemy far longer than we need to. And you also need to understand something. The fact that Goliath was running his mouth before David got there and was running it before, after David got there, you know what that shows you? The devil don't care who you are. He's got one goal. And his goal is to rob, kill, and destroy. That's what he want to do. That's his goal, to rob, kill, and destroy. He's not impressed with your resume. He's not impressed with your skill set. No, he's not impressed with any of that. The devil doesn't care about you. He doesn't care about you, where you come from. 
what you've been, he doesn't care. The only thing he's concerned about is your absolute and utter demise. He will paint it in all sorts of lovely colors, attractive colors, striking colors, powerful colors, enticing colors. Oh, he'll package it any way you're willing to take it, any way you're willing to accept it, any way you're willing to, to accelerate. Do, do you get to, 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 to listen? Any way that you're willing to, to accept and tolerate, the devil will package wickedness, unrighteousness, all aimed at bringing you down. Just the way you like it. The devil don't care. Do you like your demise in a dress? He'll send somebody with that. Maybe you like it in a in a in a in a, in a, a three-piece suit. He'll send that. Maybe you like this flavor, that flavor, this hue, that hue, this shade, that shade. Doesn't matter. As long as you're willing to tolerate the foolishness of the enemy, his wicked intent, he's going to make sure that you have a ready supply. You, you're not going to run out. You have got to say enough is enough. See, the enemy will always try to take the word that is our confidence and our trust away from us before we start walking in it and using it. Mark 4 and 15 says, and, they, and these are they by the wayside where the word is sown, but when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their heart. This deals with the parable of the sower. Amen. And the word of God, we talked about this, we, that some word is sown by the wayside. And we told you the wayside represents those individuals that aren't committed to the path. They're, they're alongside the path. They get the word. Why? Because it's not God's will that any should perish. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but should have everlasting life. John 3.16. Everybody gets a shot. Everybody gets an opportunity. Where, and, 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 and when you get it, people are on different, we're all on a different path. We're all not on the road. So when we receive the word, we don't receive the word on the road. We receive the word off road. Or in other words, we actually really receive it by the wayside. But what happens is, is that many of us, when we get the word, as the word grows and we accept the word, we move on to the path. And it flourishes. We receive the word and we immediately move to the, we move to the path, but some people stay on the wayside. 
trying to have a little bit of God and a little bit of the word world. And that's a problem. You can't have godliness and worldliness. They don't mix. The way of God is holy. You can't have no uncleanness in there. You can't have no unrighteousness in there. And people who are on the wayside, the ones that the devil's able to just come in and grab the word, those are the ones that are playing games with God. What do you mean by that? They're the ones that are entertaining the idea that they can serve God and not fully commit to God. I don't want to do all that. I don't think I need to do all that. That's too restrictive. That's too confining. Uh, that, that's too this and that's that. That's too that. And it ain't nothing wrong with this. And we should be able to do that. And it's okay for Christians to do this. And it's okay. All these things that we come up with to justify that ain't even in word. It's by the wayside. And because we're not committed to it and we don't, and we don't gravitate to it and it doesn't take in though that deep root, the enemy comes and gets it. And that's what he wants to do. See, it was the goal and intent of the enemy to demoralize and intimidate. And we showed you how in Paul, in how Paul, before he was name was changed to Paul, when he was Saul in Acts 9 and 1, Bible says, and Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest. Amen. And he was looking for letters so that he could arrest whoever it was that he found is what he was actually trying to do. But before Paul was a blessing to the kingdom and was an adversary, when he was an adversary to the kingdom, he did the same thing. Breathing out threatenings and slaughter. That ain't no different than what Goliath was doing. No different. But even in that, that's a wonderful story. Because yes in, our, yes, in our story, yes, in our text, David, Goliath represents the enemy to be conquered. But it's also humbling to know that even in that, that sometimes when we consider Paul, who was Saul at the time, operating in the same way and in the same manner that Goliath was operating in. It is also good to know that not only can God give us victory over the enemy, amen, 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 but the greatest victory that God is able to give over the enemy is when he saves even the enemy because that's what he did with Paul. That's exactly what he did. Now, this was not to be Goliath's story, but nonetheless, it is still humbling and a blessing to know that God is able. Even the most hardened sinner, I've seen some of the most, you just, you'd be surprised. And I've seen the spirit of the Lord get a hold of that stubborn heart and work a miracle that folks said, man, you know what? I did not see that coming. I would have never, I never would have saw this person coming to the Lord. I never would have saw that. I never would have even remotely considered God know what he's doing. And I'm gonna tell you one thing. I'm so glad that we serve a God, even though 
in our text, Goliath was not to be saved. Goliath would take it to its final end. Goliath's story would end tragically because he would take his foolishness to its final conclusion. So even though Goliath wasn't to be saved, because he wasn't just, he just wasn't going to turn around. It's still wonderful to know that we serve a God who's able to save the Goliaths that do turn, that will repent of their sins, that will humble themselves, that will be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. He can save them. Bible says, pray for them that spitefully use you. Pray for your enemies. Because the end result as a child of God, when we're dealing with the enemy, yes, we want victory. We want to overcome. We want deliverance from the situation and the circumstance. Yes, this is true. We want that. But we should also want everybody, including the enemy, to be saved. Amen. I know we, some, some of us, you're dealing with someone that has, they have crossed so many lines and you are just so done with that person. And for all intents and purposes, that person is an enemy <laughs> to all that is you just a adversary. And at this point, you probably feel justified in praying, Lord, let them have it. God, just <laughs> destroy them. Lord, just, 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 God, get them. You probably feel like you want to feel, pray like that. And I know I've had times where I felt like I wanted to pray like that. But the word of God says, overcome evil with good. I can pray like that, but God would prefer that I pray the prayer that asks him to save them and turn them around. That's moving and operating in love. Remember this, Jesus, while on the cross, and since this is Resurrection Sunday, no better time to bring it out. He's on the cross and he's being crucified. Soon he would be resurrected and come out on resurrection ground. Yes, we know that. Amen. But prior to that, to the resurrection, he had to first be crucified. And while he was being crucified, in the process of these people murdering him, while on that cross, he prays a prayer. 
before his enemies. And he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And if our Lord can do it, in that most in that and that's the most extreme situation you know you don't get no more extreme than that that is the that is the pinnacle of the most extreme situation and we're not in that then yeah we can we can we can pray for mercy and for deliverance and salvation for those whom we feel have wronged us now it was the intent of the enemy to strike the blow of fear into the hearts of the opposition because divide and the reason why is, is because divisive, uh, decisive, I should say, decisive battles are often won or lost first in the theater of the mind and the heart. Well before the first shot is fired or the sword is swung. Look at Proverbs 23 and seven. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, saith he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Decisive battles, they're one in the mind and in the heart first. Once the enemy is able to get in your mind and convince you that you can't do it, convince you that you can't take it, convince you that you can't overcome it. It doesn't matter at that point that you have actually the skill or the ability to actually overcome. You've already given up and you've already lost. Because victory Some victory requires the unity of the heart and mind along with the physical. So that means you, the total you, has to be going in the right direction. And if that isn't happening, you won't have victory. If your mind, if you believe in your mind that you can't overcome, that you can't survive, that you're not going to make it, then no matter what you do, you're not going to be able to achieve the desired goals. Why? Because you are exactly as you think in your heart. Amen. So this is why the enemy loves to use fear tactics. The Bible calls the devil the prince of the air. The enemy exploits and does his battle with his voice. That's what the devil does. He uses his voice. And so he will use his voice to intimidate you. But remember what we said. How long are you going to tolerate that? Because he'll keep trying to intimidate you. And it will continue to go on. As long as you allow it. Now, listen, you ain't going to never stop the devil from trying to intimidate. He will always do that. That's the devil's going to do what the devil does. But what you can do. Is put an end to it. Through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can put an end to it. 
by obedience to the word of God when the enemy voice starts to kick up. You can say, uh-uh, I'm not listening. No, uh-uh, in the name of Jesus. Satan, the Lord Jesus Christ, rebuke you and move on. Amen. Amen. You don't have to listen. The devil going to always, he's going to do what he does. But just because he runs his mouth doesn't mean you have to listen. You do not have to listen to the enemy. You don't have to listen to the, a word he says. He can keep running his mouth and you can keep using that word to shut it down. You decide. I decide. In the name of Jesus, what I'm going to do, what I am going to tolerate. How long are you going to listen to the voice of the enemy? It must have been shocking to David to find that in the face of the enemy, in the face of his rhetoric, the enemy's rhetoric, and, and in the face of his intimidation tactics, it must have been shocking to David a bit to find the soldiers of the most high God, to find that they had forgotten who they were. Look at 1 Samuel 17, 24 through 26. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were sore afraid. It's talking about Goliath. And the men of Israel said, have you seen this man that has come up? Surely to defy Israel, he is come up and it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And David spake to the men that stood by him saying, what shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? David knew that they were the army of the living God. But it's strange how everybody else didn't. Did you see that? They were afraid. And what did they do? They ran. They were afraid and they ran. They were an army. But the Bible tells you they ran from one man. It didn't say they, it didn't say they ran from the Philistines, as in the totality of that army. Uh-uh, it didn't say that. They, it said they ran from that champion, and that champion was, was Goliath. Look at what Goliath was able to cause them to forget. The voice, listen, the voice of the enemy will always be effective against those who forget who they are and whose they are. 
I'm gonna say that again. The voice of the enemy will always be effective against those who forget who they are and whose they are. Amen. Amen. See, when you forget who you are in the Lord, you'll forget who you have access to. Who do I have access to? Well, it's none other than the Lord. When you forget who you are in the Lord, you will also forget that you have access to the Lord. This is why it's dangerous to get caught up in the rhetoric and the and intimidation of the of of the enemy. And this is why he wants the, the enemy wants you to do that because he because he wants to get you to forget who you are in the Lord. Because he knows it's a trickle effect. With it comes the forgetting of who you have access to, which is the Lord. You forget what you have access to. That's victory. Look at Romans 8, 37. Romans 8, 37 through 39. Nay, in all these things, we are what? More than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, the Lord. When you forget who you are in the Lord, you forget who you have access to. You also forget what you have access to, which is that of victory. You got victory in the Lord. But when you forget who you are, you forget that you have victory. Not only that, but when you forget who you are, you'll forget what you can do. What is it that you can do? Well, 2 Corinthians 2.14 makes it pretty plain. Now, thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ and make it manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. What is it that we forget that we can do? We forget that we can win because that's what 2 Corinthians 2 and 14 is telling you all day long. Now, thanks be unto God, what? Who always causes us to triumph. That means God makes you win. Do you see why the enemy wants you to forget? Why the enemy wants you to be intimidated? Why he wants you to focus on his voice, his intimidation, and to get caught up in his message? Because if he can get you caught up in his message, you're going to lose sight of the message that you already been given by the Lord Jesus Christ. You are going to forget that you got access to the Lord. You are going to forget that you have victory in the Lord. And you are going to forget that you are able to win. And the devil wants you to forget all that. Because if you forget that, that means he got a shot. That means he get a chance to win. See, it's <laughs> you got vic you got access to victory in the Lord. You can win through the Lord. You have the Lord. Can nobody stand against that? All that have tried have all failed. God still, his track record is still flawless, family. He's still greater 
than my fears, greater than my insecurities, greater than my shame, greater than all of these different. God is greater than all of those things that the devil will try to remind me of all of my failures and all the things. Yeah, I did drop the ball and all the other kind of stuff. The devil want me to live in that though. But God want me to grow from that. God want me to get up from that. God won't make me stronger than that. That's what, and the devil, devil don't want that. See, when we forget who we are in the Lord, then like Saul, there's some things that happen. We find ourselves afraid of the voice and the intent of the enemy. First Samuel 17, 11, when Saul and all Israel heard those words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. The devil wants you to live on your knees in fear. Uh-uh. He want to enslave you to your fear. How long you going to let him do it? See, when we forget who we are in the Lord, then like Saul, we will find ourselves afraid of the voice and intent of the enemy. Not only that, but we will also find ourselves glorifying and championing the might of the enemy, heralding the enemy's exploits and, and his resume, the resume of the enemy. Look at 1 Samuel 17, 31 through 33. And when the words were heard, which David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul and he sent for him. So, so, so Saul was told what David said. And then David called, and then Saul called for David. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with the Philistine. Now watch this part. And Saul said to David, thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight against him, for thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. Look at Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. When you forget who you are in the Lord, then like Saul, you're going to find yourself talking up what the devil is able to do and the enemy is able to do more than you talking up what God is able to do. And the devil don't hold a candle to God. He ain't even in the same league, he ain't even almost. Because he's not God. He a pretender, he a wannabe. He is a counterfeit God. That's who the devil is. And all his band of unclean spirits, counterfeits, knockoffs, imitations. None of them are equal to the most high. None of them can stand in the room with him. None of them can overthrow him and none of them can defeat him and none can undo what he says. God has spoken, and will he not perform it? But the devil wants you to think 
that he's somehow equal. He loved to play into that whole ridiculous mythos of God and the devil as if the devil is equal to God. He's not equal to nobody. He is a fallen creation who chose sin over God. And his demise is at hand. Oh, he gonna get what's coming to him. Glory to God. He gonna get, he gonna, he gonna burn. He is going to burn. He don't have that much time. So he's trying to do as much damage as he can with the time that he got left. Don't be a notch on the devil's belt. Uh-uh. Don't let him get that victory. Serve God. Trust God with all your heart. Walk and honor and obey him. And live in victory. When we forget who we are in the Lord, then like Saul, instead of expressing our faith in the flawless battle record of the Almighty and glorifying our unstoppable God and Savior, Jesus Christ, we'll find ourselves talking up more about what the devil has done. Oh, the devil just fighting against me. Oh, he's after me. Oh, he's this. Oh, he's that. Okay, you know what? Okay. Okay. Number one, the devil is not omnipresent. He cannot be everywhere at the same time. And he is not omnipotent. So he is not all powerful. So that means he's got limits. Now, he's not going to tell you that. But that's, that is what it is. He got limits. Stop giving a voice to the devil's antics. I just gave you, uh, I gave you a scripture. Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. The devil can't make you do anything. He Listen, he cannot curse what God has blessed. So what the devil does, because he knows this. When God have a hedge of protection around you, and you'll have one if you walk in an obedience, obedience to the Lord, the devil know he can't just come and get you. So what he got to do? He got to trick you to step outside the hedge. The power of life and death is in the tongue. It's what you say. And the Bible is telling you a divine principle. God is teaching you that you're going to eat the fruit thereof. Which means that whatever you are saying, whether you are speaking life, or whether you are speaking death, whatever it is that you are speaking, the word of God is telling you that you are going to have the fruit of that. You are going to eat of what it is that you speak. 
The devil knows this, family. So the reason why he will work so hard to try to intimidate you is because he wants to change your conversation. Because if he gets you caught up in what he's saying and what he's doing, then you will begin to speak out what he's saying and what he's doing. Instead of speaking out what God has said and what he's doing. And he knows that if you speak it out and you keep speaking it, that's going to become your reality. You're going to eat of that. Keep talking about how the devil fighting you on every hand and you just all under siege. And guess what? You're going to keep, you're going to stay under siege and you're going to be fighting them all day long. But I dare you to change your conversation and begin to speak about the goodness of God. I dare you to change your conversation and begin to worship and praise God. I dare you to change your conversation and begin to herald the goodness of God in the midst of things going wrong or not being ideal. And I am going to tell you something. You begin to do that and you're going to have peace in the middle of a storm. Because when God stepped into the situation, he got a way of just calming it all down. Peace be still. Amen. <laughs> amen. 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 Oh, I'm so glad about that. The devil wants you to buy into the rhetoric. Why? Because he wants you to repeat it. Why does he want you to repeat it? Because life and death is in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. He knows that if he can change get you, he can't change your conversation. So he tricks you into changing your conversation. Because whatever your conversation is, that's gonna become your reality. That's gonna become your world. And the devil know that. The devil knows that. Devil wants you to talk up all the his foolishness, when that time could be better spent talking about how flawless our God is, how wonderful Jesus is, how unstoppable our God is, our Savior is. Who are we? Romans 8.37 says, nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. We're conquerors. That's who we are. Who are we? And the Lord shall make thee, Deuteronomy 28, 13, and the Lord shall make thee the head and not the tail. And thou shalt be above only and thou shalt not be beneath. If that thou hearken unto the commandments of the Lord thy God, which I command thee this day to observe and to do them. You're a leader not a follower. You're on top, not the bottom. If you are obedient to the word of God, that's who you are. That's who you are. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ, Christ which strengtheneth me. Who are you? You're an overcomer. That's who you are. That's who we are. 
We are conquerors. We are on top. And we are overcomers. That's who we are. Whose are we? I already gave you Romans 8, 38, 39. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Whose are we? We belong to the Lord. We are the Lord's beloved. That's who we are. Romans 8, 31. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Whose are we? The God who's never lost a battle. Who cares not for the odds and the numbers against us. Unrivaled and undefeatable. We belong to that God. That's whose we are. Whose are, whose are we? Job 42, 2. I know that thou canst do everything. And that no thought can be withholding from thee. We belong to a God who can do anything. That's who we belong to. That's who's we are. Amen. Don't let the devil rob you. Don't let him intimidate you. Don't let him back you into a corner and 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 force you into a, a worthless cycle of repeating and constantly heralding and talking about what the enemy has done and is trying to do. No. Time to turn it upside down. Time to flip the script, family. Instead of talking about what the devil's able to do, let's talk about what God Almighty has done. Don't let him trick you into ignoring the exploits of an undefeatable God. Also that you can talk about the so-called fleeting victories of a condemned devil, because that's exactly what he is, condemned. And whatever victory he think he got, he ain't got none. I don't care what he promises you. I don't care what he tells you. I don't care what he entices you with. Listen, there ain't nothing over there. There's nothing over there. You don't have to sit still and play ball with the devil. You do not have to listen to his voice. You can't stop him from talking, but you ain't got to listen. In Jesus' name. And you've got to start declaring that and you've got to start walking in that. And the only way to do that is through the word of God. The way that you declare that I am not listening to you, I'm not tolerating you, I'm not going to go along with what you say. Dev. The way that you do that is by staying in the word and obeying it. That is how you do it. <laughs> 
you stay in that word. And the devil will always be kept in check because you got to understand that word is power and authority over him. And when that word is spoken by somebody who knows they have authority in the Lord, by someone that knows how to use the word, someone speaking by the spirit of the God, the devil can't stand with that. That's how you resist the devil. And the Bible tells you the outcome, the come, outcome of that, he will flee. God bless your family. I love you. Until next time, have a wonderful, wonderful Sunday. Wow.